Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who, me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Well, this is it again. It's script shop time. Hi there. My name is Jack, and I like to drink hot drinks and cold drinks, sometimes at the same time. Does that say straight up tea? It's Yeah, it's some kind of Snapple offshoot, but it's got water in it because I like like having water, and then I've got a cup of coffee right next to it. I like to drink hot and cold things at the same time. Does this apply to multiple things in your life or just like this setup? I'm not trying to like be metaphorical or anything. I just like to... Hot and cold... Yeah, I know. Is it I a knew metaphor, you were going to go though? there. No. It, I think it might be. Pretty sure it's I not. think it might be. Pretty sure. One it's sustains not. you, but you need the other to like zing, zing, zing. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is our podcast. Where, oh, I'm Allison, by the way. Yeah, that's Allison. Uh, where, believe it or not, we uh, talk to screenwriters about their scripts. I can't believe it. You got it from the context clues there. Uh, we appreciate you listening very much. We are on a variety of websites. Yep. Uh, well, we're we're on scriptshopshow.com, mm-hmm. the only website that's the, yeah. you need in your browser. That's the only one Scriptshopshow.com. Um, you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Stitcher, SoundCloud. Did I say Google Play and then Stitcher? There's the extra one. Okay. As well as looking us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All those things are options, and uh, we would appreciate it very much if you did. If you could leave us a rating, too, on iTunes, that's an important thing, right? Frank, we still want people to do that, right? We got some some ratings on iTunes. I like that. Like recent ratings. It's cool. That's good. We appreciate that very, very much. Thank you, recent rating people. Thank you. Shout out to all my recent ratings peeps. Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make that into something, and I'm not quick enough yet, so hopefully it comes full circle. Another thing that has been made into something is uh, when uh, you submit your work to us, if you would like to get your stuff to the front of the line, mm-hmm. you just need to include a message with the phrase that pays, hot burrito. That's right. Hashtag hot burrito, and you get cutsies, and everybody will hate you except for us. Yeah, we'll appreciate it. We would really appreciate it because we want to know if you listen to the show so that we can read your work sooner rather than later and get a response to you sooner rather than later. And thank you for all of those who have submitted and are patiently waiting for any kind of response to us. We just appreciate you being there for us. We do very much, and thank you for your time. And thank you for your effort. And maybe thank, thank you, you for, for your, your money. money. I love it when we can say things at the same time. Sandwiches. Oh. That's a- <laughs> I love that show. Uh, so place. Patreon is where you can uh, send us your money, your uh-huh. buccarinos and your buccarinos. <laughs> call your dad, call my dad, tell him to send you some money. Call her dad. <sighs> well, I know. If my dad was going to send anybody money, I would want him to send it to me directly and not necessarily the show. Except that I guess I've been talking about him sending money to the show, so... I guess now I'm I'm grandfathered into that one. I mean, full disclosure, I would rather your dad send me money directly too. <laughs> what would you buy if somebody gave you twenty five bucks right now? If somebody gave me twenty five dollars right now, right now, um, I don't know, like maybe a probably I don't know, like a round of drinks for everybody. Oh, that is really nice. I was thinking ice cream sandwiches. Then that's. Sound- <laughs> 
Yeah. $25 worth of ice cream sandwiches? Everybody like this. Okay. I mean, listen, uh, we're God. allowed to like different Sometimes things. Sometimes you guys look at me like, what? And I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, why not? Yeah, exactly. Because it would be perfect, and that's what friendship is all about. We should. Do we want to? Uh, do we have? We a, do have a script today. We do. We that's have, right. Thank you. Two, two in up. studio guests. We love in studio bow, bow, guests. Down. We love, love in studio, studio guests. We have Alex Kogan and Mark Borison with us today. Yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about their short script, Subject Six Alpha Two, which is a 19-page sci-fi twister with tongue-in-cheek, morbid overtones. I love you're so good with those summaries. I look forward to it every time. The only time. thing I'm good at. Here. And no, that's not true. But I also make sure to not know ahead of time. And when you're doing it right here on the show is when I get to hear it for the first time. And I always really like the way you sum stuff up. Thanks, Jack. I enjoy it very much. I like you. Do we, well, thank you. Uh, do we want to just go to the guys? We, oh, we might probably, as well. We, those guys are—they're sitting here so cute. They're, they're sitting here very patiently waiting for us to get to them. Hit your buttons, guys. You're on air. That's right. I've been holding my cough button for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your sweaters. Please describe each other's sweaters. So, Kogan, you describe Mark's. Mark's, you describe Kogan's. Right, you're up first. Time. It's a Christmas sweater, which is not a Christmas sweater, with reindeer with unbelievably large antlers mm-hmm. and a uh, pixelated tree. Perhaps magical Japanese antlers, tree. if you must. Yeah. You know. Uh, Kogan is wearing a sweatshirt that looks like when you look through the blinds <laughs> uh, close to dust. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's it's just a casual gradient of uh, different color stripes. The bottom is kind of off white. The top is kind of off gray. So well, it looks good either way. It's a quarter zip. <laughs> so, but she's got a hundred percent zipped. So. <laughs> so, in terms of sweater buddies, how did you guys start being friends and finding each other in the world? We were uh, baggage handlers together at Comair uh, ten, twelve years ago. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you can believe it, uh, they let all. Almost anyone handles your baggage, <laughs> and not just that, fuel the airplane, uh, yeah. uh, which requires a significant amount of math, which you'd be amazed yes. you'd think oh, they would cow. pay more than $9 an hour for. Mm-hmm. They don't. Yeah. Uh, That's actually terrifying. Sure. Now absolutely. knowing that they're like idiots fueling the plane. I mean, I got fingers pointed at us, by the way. That's why I quickly moved out of that department and went to throw your bags on the ground. I mean, spoiler alert, there's idiots everywhere. Like, yeah. everyone, like you can't uh, avoid swing them. a dead cat without hitting an idiot in the world. Somebody's in this room. I'm trying to think. Yeah, exactly. It's weird that I was wondering what you brought that dead cat for What was, what's something, what's like the worst thing you remember happening in front of you at the airport? Uh, I don't know. I saw Ron Jeremy a lot, like very often. Yeah. An uncomfortable amount of time. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. That sounds like, that was like, he's I was not the cleanest person and neither are his not. sweatpants. No surprise. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. He definitely looks like if he wasn't in adult films, he would have been working at a speedway. Yeah. <laughs> notice, notice I didn't say a nicer gas station. <laughs> he's not Thornton's material. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like the fact that these guys can just interview themselves. No, this, this is, is super cool. Easy I really like this, too. I'm into this very I'm much. into it. Guys, could you hit your cough buttons? We <laughs> when did you guys start writing together? Like, how did that happen? Okay. You're just handling baggage, and you're like, listen, bro, I wrote a script. I got an idea so, for you, something. You'd be amazed at, and I, I hate to sound like I'm speaking ill of those people, but at the end of the day, 
all of the smart people kind of stuck together. We're like, hey, you're in this for the flight benefits too. Oh, because, you know, we were the guys that would travel internationally because going to France was like $45 for us. When we First class. Now, don't get me wrong. They didn't pay you enough that you could actually afford to do anything, but you could totally go there. Yeah. You know, I saved cool. that passport. But uh, we were the guys that used our flight benefits, and we'd meet a lot of lifers there who just weren't. And so I think we first started bonding. We had a mutual friend that was in my band in my youth. When I was still chasing that dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget what it was, but we just started hanging out because we were both snarky and sarcastic. And it, I think the moment for me, it, it was like right as the band was kind of slowing to a halt. And I was kind of trying to work my way into an entertainment persona. And and Kogan and I would just sit around and write funny ideas. It, it, I'll never forget. It was Concourse C. Uh, which is no longer with us. Oh, it's right. romantic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It was the most and the, the cutest McDonald's on the planet. <laughs> we would uh, sit at the McDonald's there and drink our. We'd, we'd buy one cup six months ago and then refill that same cup Every for day. all of eternity and wash yeah. them because we were cheap and terrible and young. And uh, but no, I just remember one day saying to Coco when I was really trying to drive him, this was like you know. We're pretty funny together. We should do something. And I kept joking. He, he made the comment of, he's like, well, you're way more outgoing than me, something to that effect. And I was like, all right, well, I'll figure that part out, but you just got to back me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was kind of the yeah. joke. But, mm-hmm. And then really in the last few years, we just started connecting on the creative end once yeah. Holland and I started making weird stuff together. And then we started doing the uh, – the first thing we uh, did was effort list. I, I don't know how censored I should be on this. No, that's a podcast. People okay. are offended. They can stop this listening. It's the Wild West. Oh, okay. So yeah. we did a short YouTube series for a while called The Fuck It List. And pretty much we <laughs> thought it was funny because I wanted to just do stupid YouTube videos. You got, you got one? No, 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 no. I remember now the thing that we wrote. I forgot about that. We wrote like four of them. Right, but I wrote a thing uh, about Applebee's. Yeah, exactly. And that became a big video. And yeah. we, we did these, this whole series where we were like, oh, you know what would be funny is that there's like obviously a, a – you know, a mess of fat white guys on the internet that have a vaguely at least similar look to me screaming about stuff that usually isn't really important. But I mean, it'll be like maybe things that they shouldn't be screaming about topic wise, right? So we just kept joking. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if we kind of did like a weird satire version of that? That'll be funny, right? And it was, but people think. I thought people thought that was really how we felt. They still yeah. think you it, hate the things that you hate. Yeah, so we started with just silly, silly stuff. The biggest one I think we did that Kogan mentioned was the Applebee's fuck it list. Uh, that's a pretty popular one. Menthol cigarettes. Because it was all about the menthol one. I That's one of my personal favorites because it was just like, no, go ahead and smoke, but menthol cigarettes are not cool enough to smoke. Like, you're going to go and dive into that grave super fast. Uh, so, but where, do you, but where do you go from, like, ha- hanging out with a buddy and just joking around and talking about stuff and the going from hey we should do this to like formally taking the step to actually do stuff that's that's very two different things uh it kind of comes from having a shared interest in the same projects like british humor mr show from the 90s was like formative for both of us and just liking a certain specific kind of thing and also just making each other laugh you realize you know hey we kind of have a good dynamic where we can uh kind of come up with stuff together and other people kind of see it too especially with him and uh yeah, it wasn't really a formal thing. It was just, hey, this is what I'm working on. Do you have any thoughts on this? What was the first project you guys built out of an idea that came to reality for you? I mean, as silly as this might sound, I mean, I think I think really the first fuck it list was like the yeah, first was, thing uh, where we were like, mm-hmm. hey, it'd be really – because, you know, at first I was trying to just do movie reviews because I love talking about film. And I mm-hmm. when I was in school, I had a big focus on media criticism, so I just love – 
destroying things I love and uh, and then and talking about it and seeing if other people want to engage. And then we realize at some point we should do this funnier because no one's going to care about me. just mm-hmm. another dude screaming like, I hated Batman. You know, it was dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but and so I think from there, I, you know, I, I look at myself a lot as like a, just a really driven person. And I kept telling him that it really this year is really where we ramped up big time where it was coming up on the 48 hour film project. And I told Kogan the story how over, like, the last five years I've submitted to that three or four times. Which is a wonderful program here in Cincinnati that I guess we're going to be involved with. Yes, in the not yeah, well, because um, 48, yeah. that's where I first saw that movie. Right. Um, they're partnered with the Independent Film Festival, and I have decided that our Independent staff is going to enter as a team-building event next year. That's a great idea. Nice. Yeah. And that's, that's and by the way, that's kind of how I looked at it for us because I, 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 last year I was so frustrated because, you know, as an actor, I wasn't getting a ton of work. I was doing the occasional commercial here and there. I had a couple big spots last year, but I'm just one of those people that's like, uh, I still have eight more hours in my day. Why is that not filled with potential money-making opportunities based on what I want to do? Mm-hmm. So I kind of joked with Kogan up front because – I felt like the rest of the team didn't quite share my exuberant confidence. The rest of the team? Who else? So uh, the big one being Holland Reigns, uh, my buddy James Morlock, who does audio with us. And uh, we had a few other people. I used to write with this guy, Ryan Hall, pretty fre- frequently. And he's he plays the mechanic in Chiluminati. So he was a little bit involved in that one, too. But I, I think I just kept saying for the longest time, we were, we've been doing commercial video work, uh, Holland, James, and I, this is. Uh, and we do good stuff. We work for a small partner of Google's. And we do fun little content around the world of Chromebooks. And I just kept saying that. I was like, man, I really want to do something narrative. I want to do something creative. Like, this is fun, and I love mm-hmm. my job. But at the same time, I kept thinking, you know, of all the kids that we graduated with, we're one of the few that got to work in our field. Let's really push this. And I really think we could do it. And, we, you know, Holland and I spend a lot of our free time as friends just – dissecting storytelling and things of that nature and then talking about it all the time. I'm sure much to the chagrin of my uh, fiance. But I think that's been she such a big you. thing. Yeah, for <laughs> sure she has. I saw that she's been texting me that the entire time we've been here. I'm like, it's uh-huh. so crazy. I've been going for 20 minutes. So, so you, you mentioned this movie, Chiluminati. Um, what is this thing? When I fir- I'm not from Cincinnati originally. And so when I first came to Cincinnati, I uh, – I didn't understand the Cincinnati chili thing. I, lo- I love it, by the way. I'm definitely – it's one of those things that if I ever left, I would claim it as my own. Right? You'd be like, yeah, the yeah, Cincinnati chili for thing. For sure. I think it's – I always joke. It's something that I think on the branding end for non-natives, if they just didn't call it chili, people wouldn't be as weird. Like, you know, some people that aren't yes. familiar, like, oh, it tastes like chocolate and cinnamon. I'm like, I guess. Yeah, right. But you're people get just, hung up on that. Yeah, you're kind of just being a jerk. Okay, right? we got to pause real quick. So, Jack, you have to lay out as a Cincinnatian – well, you're – an Ohioan, mm-hmm. yeah, Ooh. not necessarily a Cincinnatian yeah. from birth. <laughs> like, what is the chili thing that Mark's talking about here? Yeah, well, so Cincinnati chili is uh, based from it's a Greek recipe. Um, it's a brownish barf looking sauce. <laughs> it's, it's like meat slop that they put over spaghetti. It's I like that maybe, you say sauce and it's maybe the least appetizing visual food imaginable. It doesn't look good. Yeah. You gotta sure. sort of cover your eyes when you're eating it, and it's usually served over top of noodles, traditionally spaghetti. But here in town, there's a couple different uh, Cincinnati chili places, and you can get it in like a burrito. You can get it on a baked potato. Uh, you have options, and again, it's the grossest looking food that I think I've ever seen in my life. But I, I'll eat it, sure. Yeah, I'll eat it if I'm wasted. <laughs> that's I, when I, I. That's when I eat it. I can totally understand. It's not something that I get often, but I totally understand it as kind of like that drunk, sloppy food. That yeah. It is. But what I really didn't understand when I moved here is that. I joke, Cincinnati's economy is based in Chile. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you have some weird thing going on. And I kept thinking to myself, I was like, 
All right, so there's not only two major chains that exist, but then all these little offshoots that I kept thinking of. Like a like, dozen parlors, right? yeah. Oh, oh okay. yeah, I, yeah, we looked it up. There's seriously like 200-some parlors <laughs> in town. We, we seriously went through the Wikipedia for the script. We're like, this is absurd. Yeah. And I kept thinking, well, why is that a thing? And then I just kind of joked there must be some sort of chili mafia because I kept thinking, I was like, it's one company. There's one person at the top. They own Gold Star and Skyline. The mix is just different in water. The whole thing's a scam. And I just kept thinking. I was like, they created some, They just drove the demand for the product. I, right. But anyway, obviously that's absurd. So then you <laughs> took this idea. Yeah, well, but what happened was, was we got to we got to. It was crazier at first. Yeah, well, like, when we got even before that, we got assigned mystery. Right. And as soon as we got mystery, I just laughed. I looked at Holland. I'll never forget. I was like. The chili mafia joke. We have to do something with that. <laughs> and he was just like, oh. we just started laughing hysterically. We're like, all right, there we go. And so, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. It just, it got crazy. There was like a bane to the Batman. I had like Dixie Chili. <laughs> was like this uh, murderers who murder the murderer, kind of like Dexter. And they're like leading <laughs> with the main character. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Just insane. It was super crazy. And I think we had that, we had that moment about, Holland and I had that moment at about two in the morning. So with the 48 hour film project, you know, you get assigned a, a genre at, say, seven o'clock on Friday night. And the film is due Sunday night at 7 p.m. So seven o'clock, we get that genre. We wrote till about two in the morning. And that's when Holland and I go, so this is only funny to us, <laughs> and uh, that's going to be a huge problem. So we then set up the next four hours aggressively rewriting it in front of Ryan, who came down to not just act, but to be in the part, but then just play Game Boy all night. And yeah. then I think at some point was mad that we were talking in the living room while he was trying to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, by about six in the morning, we were like, okay, I think this is workable. And that's oh, pretty man. much what we shot. So wow. What an experience. Ooh. And then so Chaluminati tells the story of a secret society and a Guy who learns too much about that, and they try to take Greek him out. Slop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> they try to take him out. Quote, Greek that. style means. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in the script that you submitted to us, this subject six alpha two, I thought there were some similarities with Chaluminati and this in terms of like authority figures and uh, hold on, I got it written down. Oh, it, people being in impossible situations. It, the the similarities between those two scripts is that something that you sort of regularly incorporate into your work? I love the secret society angle, and I should say on Subject Six Alpha Two, it's actually an adaptation of another short oh. uh, based on a podcast. Funny enough, they do oh. an audio drama, and I heard the show's called Darkest Night, and I reached out to the creators to get them. I was like, "Is it cool if I gut this and do this?" And they were like, "Which story do you want to do?" And I told them which one. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the, their version of it is just called Quarantine. But based in this, I preferred the name. I thought the title sounded cooler. And it added an air of mystery. But, you know, with this, Cook and I went in and we kept mostly just their story structure, mm -hmm. uh, tightened it up a little bit by our own opinion. And then our big thing is to go in and we're dialogue guys. Right. You know, I feel like that's our big thing in general, especially Kogan. Kogan's like the right. punch-up guy. Exactly. I We've been watching a bunch of Shane Black films <laughs> leading up to this yeah. because – what I like about him as a writer is that he, everything's a Christmas. Well, that too, exactly. <laughs> based on my sweater, but that is a good point. No, I uh, and I do weirdly love Christmas. Is this going to become a Christmas episode? Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> well, I should have brought my jingle bells. Right now, it's just a winter episode from the sweater. We got to be careful. But um, no, uh, Black does a really good job of making his characters feel real in dangerous situations, mm -hmm. and I thought something that was important to this that didn't necessarily come across in the first one or the original is that I kind of thought. It just they need to be a little funnier, a little more realistic to me. The characters need to feel like people actually experiencing this, which to me makes the reveal at the end 
even like, wait, what was go- you know right. what's going on here? Should we just go ahead and read a part of it since we're jumping into a dialogue conversation? I think we should. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, uh, turn your cough button on, Kogan, or turn your thing off. Thank you, sir. Kogan, so, you should read as <laughs> me for this. I just want to see how you took the character. Um. So, <laughs> listeners, today we're going to be reading from the script. We are lucky enough that Mark is going to be playing one of the characters in this film as he moves through production. And also, I'm acting in it as well. What? Yes, did you not know this? I did. I'm just trying to play along with the audience. Thanks, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) We're shooting at the end of uh, November, beginning of December. Um, And Mark and I are going to play a married couple. I really, you're going to see how good I am at yelling at husbands in this. Sorry, sorry, Philip, and I love you. Very method. (laughs) (laughs) So today, listeners, Jack will be reading our stage directions. Um, Mark Borison will be reading for George, and I will be reading for Philip faith and this is the beginning of the script pages one through three in case you're interested and this is fun this is like our first live rehearsal i, I know i didn't think we we're gonna do a live read so hopefully my performance is good i'm like i know it'll be better in the final project well i'm, I'm still in that pre-pro mode so yeah. I haven't, i'm like no I'm a, you know what i mean yeah well and mark's got a history of having done uh was mark was involved with us at the independent film, film festival, festival as far as the screenplay readings went <sighs> that was fun mark was right there with us so i'm anxious to i got to cry in one of them too it was my first yeah. time i ever had to do that did and you I cry wa- i watched the video back too and i was like oh, I did a lot better than that. I was so oh, that's neat. nervous about that. Shout out to Chris Pinner, former guest on Screw Shop. <laughs> so, Jack, whenever you're ready, if you want to take it away. Okay, here's the top of the show. Top of the show. Subject 6, Alpha 2. Interior, house, day. A man, George, is sleeping on his couch. Actually, we'd prefer to call it time traveling, as it appears that he simply blinked out of his own miserable existence for just a few minutes. His wife, Faith, steps in, leaning over George somewhat aggressively to wake him up. Oh, my God! George, wake up! What? What? You were asleep. I saw you nod off. No, I wasn't sleeping. I was just... I swear to God, if you say, resting your eyes... No. I was just thinking, how are we going to break this to her? She's eight, George. Half of her friend's parents have ended their marriages by now. You mean divorce? You know I'm not comfortable with that word. Well, I'm not comfortable with ending our marriage, but you are. I would have thought you got very comfortable when you hired a lawyer to serve me with magical marriage-ending paperwork. Yeah, typical. Zero effort, unless it's to be dramatic and play the victim. Oh, sure. Yeah, you're right. I haven't put effort into building this home and a life for us, helping to raise our daughter while being told I haven't done a damn thing to help. I I get it, though. You're never wrong. You're always right. You wake up in the morning, and you're right. You go to sleep. You're right. You somehow manage to take shits on the moral high ground. Oh, my God. This again? Do you even hear how you sound right now? Listen to yourself! As though a knife was thrown at their scripts, an air raid siren cuts through their words. What the hell was that? An ambulance? Are you, are you being serious? Did ambulances drop nuclear bombs where you grew up? Well... But what? You're going to make me go see what's out there? Is it a car wreck or something? George moves to the window, carefully, as though not to expose that he's peering out. Well, it's something, all right. Why aren't there any other sirens? Oops, forgot to to ask Google, holy shit, what was that sound I just heard? Oh, I'm sorry, I just thought I was talking to the expert on ambulance sirens. Another air raid siren rips through their sarcastically aggressive banter. It's so loud. Why do they keep doing that? Let me go ahead and check the stupid fucking question I couldn't possibly have the answer to application. You are a fat asshole. We've got a live showing of Independence Day going on outside our house right now, and you want to give me shit about my weight? That is unbelievable. Actually, it's entirely believable. The end. <laughs> At least for there. 
So that's an interesting setup in that you've got this couple that are at each other's throats despite whatever weirdness is going on outside. Right. And as the script moves on, things keep getting weirder. There's a phone call of a very authoritative person who's telling you, don't you dare open the door. But it's all the, the, the script is all so focused within this little place where they're living at. It's very much left up to the audience's imagination what's happening outside. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And it gets to a point where, you, at least when I was reading it, I don't know what the payoff on this is ultimately going to be because yeah. it's just weirdness on weirdness on weirdness. Uh, somebody claiming to be dude's brother is at the door right. saying, let me in, man. And the voice on the phone saying, don't you dare let anybody in. I'm telling you, don't do it. And so go ahead. I, I, I want you to tell people the big payoff. Okay, so as the the log line goes, it's a you know the quarantine is not quite what it seems. Uh, so spoilers within, and this I would definitely say if you plan to watch this, maybe pause for a few seconds or just mute or however that works on whatever podcasting app you're using. Uh, but in the uh, in the third act, what happens is it reveals that they George is like brought to a peak and pretty much. Everybody's pulling at him from all directions. You've got the character of Ramsey, who is the outside authoritative voice controlling, like, don't open the door. Mm -hmm. If you do, and pretty much telling him everything that's going to happen the entire time. Think, uh, uh, and he opens the door and he finds out, oh, that door doesn't go outside. It opens into a facility of some sort, like some sort of closed area, and he gets shot in the face. And yeah. it turns out that faith is part of this center that is running a simulation and testing out some new effectively like a mind control drug of some sort it's not that's not super crucial it's one of those like little red herrings right it's not that item is not particularly crucial to the plot the point is it's just about you've watched this whole relationship build between yeah. the husband and wife and you're like oh this is a really believable relationship i understand these two people and then i get shot and I had this, I, the way I always saw the shot is there's like this like last moment where you see Faith next to George. And then as soon as the shot happens and he hits the, he hits, I, I don't know, it feels so weird talking about myself in a third person. Since I'm <laughs> the but, you know, when I hit the ground dead, there's almost this immediate shift from loving, concerned, like, should we open the door? Our daughter's outside to, oh, God, another body. And it's like real quick. And then it's just another day at the office for Faith. Yeah. You know, if that is even her real name. Right. As we then find out too. Right. So I love the idea that Ramsey is this like constant control who is literally the entire time of the story going, hey, here's what's going on. You probably should not do any of this. And then she gets to do a big debriefing at the end where she's like, everything we said would happen. But, you know, this subject's an idiot. Let's go ahead and test another subject and see what's going on. What, what are they actually testing here? I, I'd like to think, if I recall correctly, it, from the original version, it, it is some sort of like a... Compliance drug. Exactly. Compliance drug would be a very good way of putting that, yeah. And the human spirit, they're trying to see whether or not they can break it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, to give a little more background around the Darkest Night podcast, there's like a framing narrative they use for the entire series where it is about a new hire at this place called the Roth Lobdo Center. And they are pretty – at the end of – at the beginning of every episode, they're like plugging into a deceased body and then they're going and reliving how the person died. Oh, okay. And so at this point, they're like, oh, what was going on here? And so her – this this young girl and then her superior that's showing her the ropes is like – like, oh, this is part of this test subject. Oh, this should be pretty mm. interesting. Well, here, let's find out how he died. So they plug in, and then it opens with the wake-up scene. Mm -hmm. so, okay. Uh, you know, I didn't want to pull the framing narrative off because I didn't think it was really important to the story itself for the sake of it being a short film, mm -hmm. that is. But I really liked this one because I, I kept thinking from a visual standpoint, it was it's it's like two rooms. You know, it's almost like a play in that regard because we're pretty much in just a few areas of – well, we're actually using Kogan's house. But a few areas of the house. Which oh, we've nice. heard is dope. Yeah, it is super awesome. You have a, you have a dope house? What's it like having a dope house? <laughs> it's pretty dope. <laughs> Not to be confused with a dope house. Right. You know. <laughs> Very important delineation to make there. Uh -huh. I uh, really – 
was kind of brought to this script partially because I love the interplay between Faith and uh, ostensibly her husband. I just love when dialogue is a weapon that you throw at the other person. That always draws me in. And then I liked writing it because I think arguments are usually the funniest things in the world. When, like, two people who are close are arguing and you're an outsider – it's usually hilarious because they're shorthand that they yeah. use to cut each other. Yeah. And the references that they'll make to things from <laughs> ridiculous. It's hysterical. I love this. That. This is so funny. But and I can't tell the story because Philip will kill me. But the night we got engaged, I think, was one of the worst nights of my life. And I want to make <laughs> a short film about it because it was so bad. And he's like, no, you're not. Please don't. Please don't. And I'm, but it's that same thing where it was this massive massive argument where at one point like he had a a shake we had gotten a shake from somewhere and he like threw it on the ground and stormed away and i just remember at the end of the night like crying while he was eating a cheeseburger and then it was it was so funny but like bad so wait how did how did his proposal happen was it like an mma fight where he just tapped out you have bested me oh it was nice in the beginning and then it got raw (laughs) (laughs) it would be such a good short that sounds hilarious well i think i think the cheeseburger in bed and upset it's just too i want a photo of Listen, I can't so get it out of my head. So there's so much about this that's making me really nervous. My stomach's like upset. Uh, I don't like the idea of mom and dad fighting. Uh, well, we don't fight like that. Anymore. I know, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, when I was reading the script, one of the things that I jotted down note-wise, the fact that these two are arguing with this insane siren going mm-hmm. off, like this is a sign that this relationship should end anyway. Even though it's you ultimately find out it's this manufactured thing and it's a part of a different thing, but like right. these two are not in a good place and they're not going to yeah, fix I mean, this thing. They're getting divorced and they haven't even told their daughter yet. You know, right, right. there's a time stamp at exactly where this relationship is. Sure. It's written right there. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the portion that you happen to read was the stuff that I was most involved in. That was where I had the most ideas on that portion of dialogue. And like that was, I, there were so many things that kind of triggered me like, oh, we need to flesh this out and right. have this be a fight about why aren't we saying it's a divorce? Why aren't we telling our kid? Like, all of that stuff is just so raw in it's, their original dialogue that uh, I flushed out. I think you did a good job of – it was something I, I remember in the earlier drafts of this, too, that we were struggling with was balancing between them being shitty to each other because that's really important, but also still making it a believable relationship that when right. things do get bad – and you'll see as you read in, like – a few more pages in, we don't hate each other as much. As mm-hmm. things get more serious, you realize you're like, okay, they're like, they maybe don't like each other, but they're like willing to put the bullshit aside in the moment. You know what I mean? A little bit. But I also just feel like, in general, when you see white hot hatred in something, whether it's obvious it's a toxic relationship, it still means they care. Right. And it's obvious that that venom that they're spewing at each other is apparently, uh, you know, evidence of a long term relationship. Right. But. So how are you such an expert on writing this? Have you gotten in any fights like this before? Uh, not really. I just watch a lot of really good, well-written stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just got a very active Taking imagination. Yeah. I'm, I'm the fighter. Usually. Yeah, he's yeah, the fighter. No, I just watch a lot of David Mamet and Aaron Sorkin. That's kind of all you need. Yeah. Got it. I mean, well, and I think the argument comes like it's it's specific. Like you can the characters are it, it's not just a generic argument. They're getting into some real specific things and taking real specific jabs at each other. And I think that really helps build the audience's relationship with the characters quickly. Sure, yeah. they, they're real. They they 
they're people you know or maybe you've seen that fight, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. And I think it's something that we talked about at some point you mentioned earlier was just watching other people fight is hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing like oh, that. Every kind of train wrecking is exciting, right? Yeah. Unless people actually get hurt and then it's like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing. So but funny. I'm still laughing, unfortunately. <laughs> but I know I, I thought that was a really important thing here too and that we really – I think we did a good job of still – making them feel real and i think in film i think it should i i really want the twist to like be a punch I, you know when i first heard the original story i kept thinking i was like where is this going What's right. about to the way they do it for an audio drama it's definitely a way different i don't want to use a term like cheesy because that would take a negative connotation i please don't mean that nor would i ever exalt myself to be like <laughs> i'm so much better but you know <laughs> there's definitely like the radio drama format right so there's a bit of that like almost old-timey vibe to it i think mm-hmm. we definitely modernized it a little bit mm-hmm. uh and really just i think it'll play well in film and I, my goal my goal as one of the filmmakers was to make sure that when the audience watches this they're just like and we've planted seeds repeatedly, and there will be a few visual seeds that happen yeah. when you're watching this where you're like, oh, so that rewatches, you'll be like, oh, of course, I should have caught that there. There's like a great gag I have in the title cards I can't, or in the title sequence that I am so excited to do that literally tells you the story almost immediately. And when there's a call back to it visually at the end, because my dream is to pretty much open with the same five or six shots for the opening and closing. But when we shoot it the first time, it'll be from the perspective of somebody who just thinks this is about a couple whose relationship failing. Mm-hmm. But when you see it the second time, we're shooting a little wider. So you're now seeing the people set up the simulation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas oh, if you just, so like, you know what I mean? If you were to just like zoom in just a little bit, it would be enough to pull them out of frame and you wouldn't notice that there were people shuffling pictures around or things like that. Yeah. And little, little clues like that. So I'm really excited about that for people to have that moment because I think when I get shot in the face, there'll be that like, oh my God. And then when it's just like you and Ramsey going, so uh, where's that latte? You know what I mean? And they're like, this is disgusting. Wipe my hands off. And then, all right, reset. What's my name on this one? You know? Right. And it's just like any other desk job where you're yeah. just like, okay, what's my next, next task? What's the next assignment here? When you guys are writing, and especially with the idea that you... The idea that you guys have no now, sweater or nothing. <laughs> a production history and you've, you've you know, produced things and made things happen. How much of your knowledge of the production side of things is affecting when you're writing the story? Are you maybe throwing out ideas because you know that you can't maybe produce that? Or are you just writing purely and then figuring out the production part later? Him entirely. Me, not at all. Okay. Like, I have very limited knowledge on that. I just kind of wait until the last minute at, like, 2 a.m. and just write a bunch of stuff. And Mm -hmm. then he says, well, we can't actually have green screen actors, Alex. That's not realistic. We need to back that up. Okay. But he, I think, definitely has the forethought to do that 100%. Well, that's a good balance then, right? If you guys can balance each other out, that sounds perfect. I think that's been a good thing about most, like, on an emotional and personality level between the whole group of us is we all kind of are different things. Because Holland and I usually share, like, direction, right? And I know he'll be very visually focused and thoughtful in that way, and he's very much, like, the artiste, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely more the functional production, work with the actors. I'm the emotional director, as it were. And I think we get a lot there. And I agree. I agree with you as far as, yeah, that's something I think about every time I'm writing. I think something I struggle with as a writer is always going, what can I actually make? You know, and so my thought here, what I, what I loved about this original story and why I wanted to adapt it in the first place is I kept thinking, this is a really cool story. It hits that kind of like sci-fi Black Mirror vibe I wanted to yeah. go to. And after we had success with Chiluminati, I, you know, I've always done comedy stuff and I feel like I'm kind of known as a funny person to people, which is great. I'm very happy about it. But I wanted to make sure that me as a brand and a creator could be of you know like you could say okay well this is something funny but this is something that actually has some 
a little weight on it. Range. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. And I'd like to have like a wide berth. We're behind the scenes working on an animated short right now. And they're all I've just wanted to kind of diversify some of this. That was so important to me and I yeah, ultimately came down to it. I liked this. This was a small location, so I didn't have to spend a ton of money on locations. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to spend a lot in the way of everything because either things that we could own. So there's definitely that part there. I'm trying. I joke right now. We are slowly but surely beating out a little comedy feature. And I joked. I joked with them at first. I'm like, let's write our first million dollar script. Not as in that's what we think we get paid. But that's like the budget we'd like to work with oh, on that sure. one. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because I kept thinking after the last few things, I'm like. You know, we should just aim really high because if we're good at this at all, what's wrong with that? Like, mm-hmm. worst case, we're just still making cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But if we try to do something wild, who knows? Some, maybe someone will give me a million dollars one day. You never know until you ask. That's kind of – honestly, Allison, that's something I learned meeting you this year and through this independent film festival and through everything that we did, not to be that guy. But I I joke about it all the time. Like, I, I think you helped inspire that confidence much the way I wanted to when we signed up for 48 this year where I told Kogan months in advance, I was like – I'm going to railroad these guys into doing a short film. Like, he and I paid – well, I think you just paid it. You paid the fee up front. We got done, and I was like – and I just brought it to work one day, like, because uh, James Hahn and I worked together as well. I was like, hey, by the way, we're doing 48-hour film projects. So just yeah. book that weekend. <laughs> and there was, like, a few weeks of anxiety, and then everybody was like, no, this is going to be awesome. I was like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And they – I remember they were so worked up. They're like, let's just try to focus on making something fun. doesn't have to be amazing. I'm like – I think we're going to make it good because we all want it to be awesome, and it should be fun. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, in the Hopefully for my career, that won't be the peak thing I do. But at the same time, it was fun. I was going to say, if it is, it's still great. Yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> I had a great time making it. I mean, what was really funny is everybody warned us so much, like, be careful, the 48-hour film project's going to kill you. And really, aside from the script thing that first night, everything else is fine. I slept until noon. And then we shot from 1 o'clock until about 9 o'clock that night. We had almost everything done. We were editing that night. We had we had picture locked by like 2 in the afternoon almost. I mean, yeah, at that's that great. point, yeah. we were doing – because at that point, we are just like padding in shots like the – the uh, exterior parking lot of the Erlanger Super Bowl. That was the Chiluminati's headquarters. Uh, you know, things like that. <laughs> We're just last minute little like, oh, I need to get the drone shot for the transition here. Like simple stuff. So it was, a, it was, I don't want to tell people it wouldn't be a harrowing experience, but I think we got lucky because. We're it was, both really smart and probably smarter than you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, you know, we lucked out because we've been in a team together and we all, we all know what to expect from each other for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge thing, you know? Well, it's at this point, like technically you're working relationship is very strong so you guys were able to take that into new ideas and new challenges and your working relationship brought you through it and set you up to do the next thing oh yeah you know you're very you're riding that wave of we're actually doing this now and starting to bring all of your ideas into the realm of how is this happening and you're speaking each other's language you balance each other out in terms of you know you focusing on the writing and mark you focusing on the production aspects of things i think it's i think the relationship i think is awesome I keep telling Kogan, I was like, all right, listen, there's some vacations I'd like to take, so <laughs> if you could write, help me come up with an idea mm-hmm. that is set in these five locations, yeah. figure that out in the next year, I'll get the Airbnbs worked out. There's no way, <laughs> what was the what was the movie that like Vince Vaughn and those guys did out in Hawaii that like it was a vacation oh, movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's, no, to way, did you, there's no way you can convince me that that wasn't all those guys hanging out saying, hey, let's go shoot a movie out here and right. then we can be on vacation. There's no way that wasn't what happened. Does anybody have phase on Love's number still? He needs to be in this. I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a weirdly encyclopedia-like knowledge of all kind of too many things, which Kogan has given it's me a hard very time. Very weird. Yeah. Right. Before IMDb and smartphones were 
accessible. No joke, people would call me to answer questions. I like still that. do this day. I say, hey, there's a guy who played a mailman. He was actually a mailman in Pennsylvania in like one episode <laughs> of Pete and Pete in like 1997. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Richard Spencer. Yeah, or no, oh, Richard my Spencer. gosh. Yeah, it was Richard Spencer. It was a crazy <laughs> poll. He was right, though. Yeah, he was 11 years old. Uh, that guy's terrifying. <laughs> oh, that's but anyway, so funny. Um, I wanted. I want to talk a little bit. Um, I know we're probably getting close to the end of our time here, mm-hmm. but you know, you mentioned adapting it and just what that process oh, was yes. like in terms of contacting the original thought guys and sure. pitching your idea, and then how that went to getting them to say yay. You'll laugh because I oh I I feel in my entire life I've always been really lucky because I typically I feel like um, I wear a lot of hats in the group, right? Like I'll try to I'm going to be wrangling most of the production stuff. I'm going to be I that's I'm good at it, right? And it's one of those things that I like to do it. And um with this though, it was kind of funny because all I did was I thought about it for a long time and then I just found the contact form on their website and I was like, "Hey, question for you. This is what I'm thinking about." And they and then they wrote back in, like, minutes. And I, by the way, I, I wrote a nice letter. Like, you know, I, I feel confident enough in my writing skills to write something professional. Like, sure. hello, my name's Mark. I, I've made a few shorts. I work. I do commercial videography. Hey, and I just told them, I was like, I love your podcast, and I really love this story. I'd love to adapt it as a short film. I'm not trying to make money off this, but I am going to run it at fe- – I, I mean, I was just pretty clear with everything I wanted to do up front. I was like, I want to run it at a bunch of festivals. I want to get some love for it, yeah. and I hopefully will get you some love for it. How do you want to do this? And in minutes, I just get this email back super short. It's really weird with both adaptations right now. That is, like, totally the case. That the, Both the authors are just immediately like, what's short? Sounds good. Thank you. That's it. Like, they were too busy to – and it's super polite. Don't get me wrong. But I, I I thought it was funny. It was almost too easy. So anybody yeah. listening, if this is something you want to do, just email them. I know that sounds absurd, and be good at your email. <laughs> yeah, make it to make it to the point where all they have to do is, like, those autumn in, in Gmail. Like, you could just click, yep, sure, yeah. that sounds great. <laughs> that's just the response. That's all you need. And that's how I felt it was. Seriously, I don't – I really – realistically don't think I sent – because there's another – I mentioned the animated thing we're working on, too. But I don't think I had to send either of those off authors copies of my previous work which i thought was baffling but i think to them they're probably just looking at it like well even if i'm an idiot and make something terrible it might result in a few clicks on their website at the end of the day and they can Mm. just be like well we didn't make it but if we do something awesome i have a feeling that they might take a little quote ownership of it yeah this is me if my name was frank Steele and i was talking to mark borson about this conversation i would say well what happens when you are successful with it and they come after you with their lawyers how are you gonna right when you say something like that frank that sounds like a very frank frank thing to say i'm very curious to see I, i'm hoping that all the copies of those emails should hopefully stand up in court so that's really where i'm going with this <laughs> listen i'm gonna totally be the down downer here and be like i don't think they would Perfect. sounds good thanks is enough to get it rolling but let's just assume you're gonna like knock it out of the park oh, yeah, and if somebody wants to pick it up and expand it into a feature yeah i guess at that point we'll probably have to maybe renegotiate that's where i'm there thinking. we go yeah. and so funny enough part of my task for this week was to reach out again and be like hey just letting you know this is where we are in production i pretty much just want to keep everybody abreast of everything that's going on so that there's no I w- i'm hoping that by being that guy very upfront, that i can hopefully at least avoid you could, well you could see anything coming right you know exactly. and, if, and if there is a place where you guys have to take it back to the drawing table to talk right. about it 
that's better than getting sued. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, things are cast. You're going to shoot it. You have a location. Yep. As far as other production plans, I mean, is the schedule set? You're, you're yeah, going to start shooting soon? Set. Yeah, I think we feel really confident about it. I know we're trying to work out doing maybe like a little fundraiser here and there, too, to try to drum up, excuse me, drum up a little mm-hmm. excitement and fervor for it, as well as, obviously, some cash to help us with the festival runs, because I my big goal is just to really run this at a bunch of festivals. I Someone said to me, it's independent, or one of the related film events, they were like, Think of your short films as your business card. Uh, I, I forget. It was uh, the, the producer gentleman uh, f- that was from here originally. I forget yep. his name. Eric. Eric. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he had mentioned that. He's like, you know, people think that short films sometimes are unimportant. And I don't know. To me, I, there was something we looked up the other day. We we're like, oh, who's making this? It was like some big budget picture. And they were nobody. They had an IMDb page that looked like mine. They seriously had like two shorts on their list uh. that just did a lot of damage, right? Because they were good shorts. Yeah. I don't want to belittle the word. Please don't take it that way. But I kept thinking. I was like, oh. If I could just make a couple killer shorts, maybe I'll go make that X-Men MCU yeah. right. movie that I've dreamt of since I was seven. Do you know X-Men what I mean? X-Men SVU. SVU. That's one way to do it. Ice-T is Professor X. Yeah. Professor T. You broke my brain with that just now. You need to tell me that these kids have superpowers. It's always incredulous. Well, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to – to maybe work on this project or, you know, give you a million dollars to mm-hmm. expand it yeah. or be a part of your next one? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I would say, do you have any requests on that end? Go for it, buddy. Give me your phone number. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find it written on most uh, nice bathroom walls, uh, typically for an all right time. Uh, no, you can find us. Yeah, preferably not. No. That goes against my, that goes against everything I was born. Into. I like the idea of nice bathroom graffiti. Like yeah. it's a nice bathroom. There's a little bit of graffiti like, on the wall, but it's a, a nice bathroom. Have you been to a quick trip before? That's kind of what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's a lot of really positive graffiti in the women's restroom where it's like you are powerful and you're beautiful Aww. and you should call your mom. Yeah, that's not how yeah. men's are. No. <laughs> yeah, it's usually like crudely drawn breasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're lucky. To, you're lucky to get a good Kilroy was here sort of silhouette. That's about it. Yeah, that's. Like like a very, that's like way too high class. Yeah, that's that with the nice bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've been to the same place. But uh, no, I would say best bet is to probably do one of eight things. Uh, you can follow local favorite productions on Facebook. Uh, that's for all of the, I joke, that's all the professional produced media. If you are a snarky, terrible person, you want to see some of the stuff we talked about earlier, you can look up The Mark. I think it's under The Mark Show, maybe. But you'll see a cute, cartoony drawing of my face if you'd like to see the darker side of our material. Uh, other than that, the Mark Rants on Twitter. I'm like the big social media guy in the group. Yes. Everybody else is very quiet and introverted, so I'm just loud as I, I just definitely. Post memes. Yeah, I, I yang that. Or otherwise, honestly, just friend being real life. Mark Borison. Let's do this. One R, not two. Oh. I get that a lot. They're that like, oh, like, like Morrison. Yeah. yeah two exactly. R, Mark Borison. Oh, I, you know, that's seriously what I was thinking. And I was sitting here going, who does that? <laughs> I don't. Well, and we will definitely have uh, contact information uh, in the section that you guys will be dwelling in on scriptshopshow.com. Guys, thank you thank so you. much yeah. for coming on. Time flew. Thank you. It always does. It always with, does. With yeah, we really appreciate the opportunity. I love the show, so thank you for letting us be on it. Thanks for listening. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Patreon. Hey, Here we right. go. Yeah, let's hit that Patreon again. We uh, have a way that you can give us money, and that is on Patreon.com if you look up Script Shop Show and various uh, other parts of the Internet. If you're searching Script Shop Show, you're going to find us. On, it, on pretty much anything except mm-hmm. for Snapchat chat, but you can find me on Snapchat. Yeah. If you, if you needed to, you're going to just see pictures of my baby and the occasional selfie. I and think. like clouds. Yes. You'll do a lot of clouds. I do love the clouds. I know you do. Yeah. 
So that's it for that. So, yeah, okay, look us up on social media, and, give us a review. And if you've written something yourself, if you yes. have heard this and you're inspired to maybe make that phone call to get a hold of somebody and adapt their work, or if you want to say, you know what, those guys were hanging out at an airport and joking around and they have pulled off things now, hell, I want to do it too. Yeah. Write something down and you can send it to us. I literally, to tell you, I didn't even tell you what my final job at the airport was. Oh, please. If you really want to be inspired. Yeah. I hated throwing bags, and for $9 an hour, I was like, you're kidding me that these people are these people are idiots. They're going to do this. And then I found out about the clean team. And the clean team was a disgusting job. However, it was a very light duty. Uh-huh. So clean team, for the most part, your job was, you know, wiping out the airplane cabins, simple things like that. But you're also the person that drove the uh, blue juice shit sucker vehicle. Uh-huh. But now you can maybe... I know. I'm sorry. But the thing is, you did maybe one of those a week. So that's like what your workload was uh, like. So mind you, oh these, my these idiots so are smart. outside in like 105 degree yeah. summer on the tarmac slinging bags and I'm sitting in an air-conditioned office playing my... It was 2006. It was a Sony PSP handheld. <laughs> <laughs> it was like some terrible Lego game. But I just remember there hours. I saw every inch of Cincinnati's airport during that time. Yeah. But anyway, you could go from sucking shit out of airplanes for nine dollars an hour to making films look at that (laughs) that's i think that's gonna be the tagline on this episode (laughs) (laughs) so yes please uh be inspired uh write things down and send those things to us we would love to read them and if you include the uh magical phrase that pays hot burrito uh or send us burritos or send us yes that's fine alternatives there as well yeah not chili burritos please i like the chili burritos do you do you that's a sign this Oh, my God. All right. I think that's – we're good. Frank, is that everything? we're good. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by Bensound.com. Outro music by Purple-Planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Scratch out the show. Scratch out the show. Scratch out the show.